How are you doing? That is good. Oh, awesome. That's great. Good to hear that. Uh, well, we are in the middle of a series called Home Improvement. And uh, we're wrapping it up next week. My wife and I are going to uh, share a message that I think is uh, really going to speak to everyone, no matter what uh, a life stage that you're in. Uh, today, uh, we're going to look... Well, let me ask you a question before I tell you what we're going to look at. Uh, if you're a parent, and those of you watching in Issaquah and Duval, I want you to ask, answer this question, raise your hand as well, uh, see if any of you would answer positively. How many of you would say that your children have a deep appreciation for money, they understand budgeting, they know how to delay gratification, they're very thankful for what they have, they plan for the future, have reasonable goals, are gracious in giving. Uh, anyone? Okay, no one. Okay, yes, this is a, uh, I knew I was in trouble when it came to this area uh, when my kids were little. And I realized that I had not taught them uh, how to deal uh, with money very well, which is sort of embarrassing because I come from a Jewish background. We're supposed to know this stuff. And, uh, but my youngest daughter, uh, I, I was asking her, she was asking for something, I think, a little unreasonable, at least in my mind. And I, I said, well, where do you think money comes from? She looks at me and she goes, the ATM machine. I'm like, okay, I'm in real trouble. And then as my daughters have gotten older, I've started to evaluate who they're dating. And uh, my wife will evaluate them on, oh, he's so nice and he's so cute. And I'm like, if they got married, are they going to have a wonderful life somewhere in this country or somewhere in my basement? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, that, that is a real question uh, that I think every parent, uh, I would say especially every father, asks. It reminds me of, uh, of a, a story I was told. A, a young woman uh, comes home. She brings home her fiancé. And uh, he, he has that sit-down uh, talk with the dad. And the dad says, well, what are you uh, going to do? He said, well, I'm, I'm a student, and I'm going to continue to study philosophy and theology. And he goes, well, you know, my daughter's used to a certain lifestyle. Uh, what, how are you going to... He goes, oh, don't worry, God's going to provide. And uh, he said, well, what about, uh, you know, how are you going to buy the ring for her then? He said, I'm not worried, God's going to provide. He goes, well, what if, you know, you have children? Are you, have you ever thought about what it's going to be like then? He said, I'm not worried, God's going to provide. And then uh, as the conversation ends, uh, the man goes and talks to his wife about this new fiancé. And she goes, well, what was, his, what was he like? He said, well, he has no money, no job, and no prospects. He said, the good news is he thinks I'm God. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, we're going to talk about how finances, uh, from a broad perspective, uh, impact our family. And uh, really, uh, God's plan for that, uh, really in a, in a broad brush uh, approach, where uh, we're not going to just look at debt or just look at giving or just look at goals. We're going to look at uh, those as part of it, but really what's the totality of how we operate in finances. Now, here's the truth. If you're married... 
you know that finances impact the quality of your marriage. Uh, there are two things that people argue about in a marriage more than anything else, uh, sex and finances. And so we're going to talk about sex and money today. No, we'll just uh, talk about uh, money. Some of you are saying, hey, I'd be fine. Just go ahead and talk about sex right now. <laughs> uh, well, I want you, here, here's the deal. If, you, if you're new to church and you're like, oh, man, this is it, talking about money, this is what I was afraid of, I, I want you to relax. I think this is actually a really good weekend for you to come because uh, what we're going to do, and I'm going to teach more than preach and get some biblical perspective. And uh, you might say, well, hey, I'm doing pretty well financially. Good for you, but that doesn't necessarily mean, it may mean, but it doesn't mean you're doing well with money. Uh, my father uh, was uh, a serial entrepreneur. He could make money like no one's business. But on the managing end of the money, uh, it often was a, a struggle and, and sometimes even during his most successful seasons became toxic uh, for us. Now, uh, it's hard being a pastor uh, talking about money. It can sort of wear on you because sometimes people don't like it. It's, it's like this photo that I came across right here. Who said was ministry, ministry was stressful? I'm 35 and I feel great. <laughs> yeah, if you can see that. Well, you know, uh, sometimes when you owe people money too, if you noticed... Uh, that they get a little uptight. How many of you have seen uh, the Girl Scouts? By the way, they're like, they're like this network. They are everywhere. Have you noticed that? And they have conspired to make you fat and take your money. They really have. I mean, you can't go into any store, and you're, you know, I'm sort of like trying to go into Fred Meyer, hide from the Girl Scouts as I go in, uh, and they're selling us cookies and cookies. Uh, I know one Girl Scout from the church, uh, actually she was giving people cookies, and they said, oh, I don't have any money. She said, that's okay. You can pay later. And uh, literally, this is one of the notes uh, that she, uh, you owe troop 43995 16 buck. Please send money, you know? <laughs> what a great little collection agent there. <laughs> well, here are some quotes I came across regarding money. Uh, Earl Wilson said, if you think that no one cares that you're alive, try missing a couple of car payments. Uh, and an author unknown, always borrow money from a pessimist he doesn't expect to be paid back. Well, to be healthy as an individual, as a family, as a church, as a company, of course, uh, any organization, you have to deal with this topic. So I'm going to give you a little quiz, true, false, uh, see if I'm talking to the right people here. Uh, would this ever be true of you? I compare myself to someone else financially. Uh, and if, is that true or false? If it's false, hey, welcome to the east side because <laughs> uh, you don't live here. Anyway, number two, uh, I, f I felt guilt over my lifestyle. Uh, and by, by the way, one of the, one of the things we're going to do is for some of you, we're going to alleviate that. A friend of mine uh, bought a brand new Tesla. And I love Teslas. I've never... Well, I've been in one because I go to the showroom and sit in them a lot, but I've never uh, driven one. And, uh, and it's sort of funny. He was having some guilt with this. And, uh, well, you know, it's a guilt. It's a very expensive car. Person's very, one of the most generous giving people, I mean, well beyond normal giving. In fact, his whole family 
they decided they weren't going to do anything at all for Christmas with presents, but give it to people who didn't have anything. And this is a family that gives all the time. You think a person like that should feel guilty over having... See, I don't think they should feel guilty at all. And for some of you, it's going to be relieving some guilt. Uh, uh, number three, I've written a check that was under-deposited. <laughs> that is a trouble. Uh, four, I wish I was more generous. Five, my kids can act a little entitled when it comes to money. Uh, some of you, you're here with your parents, and you are going to regret this message. <laughs> uh, because my goal is that we become good parents financially uh, as well. Uh, and and, and this, for, for many of us, if we do what comes natural parenting financially, we're going to do what's wrong almost all the time. Uh, and I'm going to explain that uh, in a moment. Well, uh, now this is going to apply to all of us. Now, some of us, uh, you know, it might, uh, you know, on the extremes, it might not apply. If you say, hey, I never intend to have any money, I'm going to live off the grid, I'm going to be homeless, uh, I don't care about money, then it probably doesn't apply to you. If your last name is Gates or Buffett or Page, it probably doesn't apply to you. But for the rest of us, uh, this is going to apply to us. Well, what are uh, some things that we learn uh, about money? Let's go to our first scripture uh, here about money. And the, our first scripture, for, well, it's not right there. Yeah, there it is, Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And it's basically saying that everything we have is a gift from God. And, and, and yet, there's a, a, a passage in the book of Hebrews and it's an interesting passage that we've often heard, uh, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, uh, from Hebrews chapter 13. Do you know what that's talking about in that passage? It's talking about money. It's talking about people who are worried about finances. So, so here are uh, uh, two realities about money. Number one, it's a tool. Uh, money is a, is a tool. In First uh, Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And now, as some of you were taught money is evil. Not true at all. In fact, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, very, very different than some Eastern philosophies, which says the material is evil. Christianity says, no, it's a sign of the blessing of God to be enjoyed. But if, if we over-prioritize it, then it can become evil. And, and, and Jesus, uh, he talks about this, about how someone would really choose money over faith. And really, it's a, a big competitor in in our life. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19 through 20, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths do not, uh, and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And really what he's saying is this second reality about money is it takes your temperature. Uh, this principle is true spiritually for sure, but it's true, it takes the temperature of every relationship you have. Uh, Jesus says this in, in Matthew 6, 21, 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, and now, this, this, he's talking about the spiritual principle when it applies to God. But think about that. If I love my, my kids, I'm going to probably take care as best I can their future. I'm not going to try to buy them everything they want, but I'm going to make sure uh, that they're taken care of. If I love my spouse, that means I'm going to handle money responsibly to where the family is not put in peril. And I'm going to make decisions, though, that uh, don't over-prioritize it. A friend of mine, uh, he works for a big software company in the area <laughs> and uh, uh, was hired by a Bay Area company at a position several clicks up, great uh, executive position, and then uh, was... Uh, sought after by a bunch of other big technology companies, some of them which store data on you. <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm talking about. In, in positions that are incredible. And I was having breakfast with him this week, and he moved back here. Has a great job, by the way. A great job. But w not the highest pain role or the highest position. Number one determiner was, what is best for my family? And I think for all of us, if we think about that, what, what, I always say, what would I do for God if I knew I couldn't fail? And what is best for my family? Uh, well, knowing that, what is a stain strategy uh, for money? What is, a, you know, what is a, a simple strategy for money? Uh, number one, we need to decide God's role. Uh, now, this one is important. You say, are you talking about giving? No, not. I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'm talking about, do I believe that God has a role of the director of my life? And if so, uh, does that include my money? See, this will make it a real simple discussion on some points. Because if I say, you know what? No, God is really... Uh, not God of my finances, and that's great. I can go and I can learn biblical principles that'll be helpful, but uh, I'm going to make decisions accordingly. But I've, if I believe God is God of all, then I'm going to simply want to understand what he says and contextualize that to the current situation that I'm in. The wisest man in the world, uh, Solomon's, in uh, Proverbs chapter 16, uh, he says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Uh, the truth is, is that it, Jesus is either, uh, if he's going to be Lord of all, he will be Lord of all, or he won't end up being Lord at all in our life. So what's God's role in that? And then uh, number two, uh, determine your goals when it comes to money. What this is, have you noticed how success is a moving target? Now, my guess, and, and I've talked to so many of you, some of you are saying, hey, I'm just starting out, and man, this is really, I'm, I'm struggling. But there are most of you who would say, I find myself in a better position than I ever thought I would be in. And what happens is, is sort of uh, like we're chasing the rabbit. Uh, Pastor Rick Anlow did a message on that. 
that we're chasing it because we haven't determined what is the goal for my life? What is the goal for my finances? Uh, and how does that relate to God? Patrick Henry, uh, at his uh, really as a prelude to his will, wrote this. I'm now uh, disposed of all my property to my family. There's one thing more I wish I could give them, and that's my faith in Christ Jesus. If they had that and I'd given them not a single shilling, they would be rich. And if they have not that and I'd given them all the world, they would be poor indeed. So, so what is, is my goal? It says in Proverbs uh, 21, it says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So I know as I say this right now, some of you are saying, oh, I don't make as much as that person sitting next to me. And can I, can I dispel some myth? Because by the way, I'm starting from the premise, which is a biblical premise, that money is a good thing when it, it, it can be a blessing from God. Material possessions are a good thing. The Bible talks about it. You say, I don't believe that. That's okay. Then you don't have a biblical understanding of resources. But often what we usually do is we compare it to someone else and don't think we have enough. If for, for most of us, it's how we manage it. And don't let this be driven by guilt. The greatest example I ever saw uh, was when I lived in Santa Barbara, California. There was a couple that I met, and uh, he, they, they had a home that I, we didn't even know them. They didn't go to our church, and they wanted to sell this home to us, which you say, okay, that's great. But they wanted to sell it to us for like about $125,000 less than it was worth. Uh, at the time, we weren't able to pull it together, and uh, you know now that home was like 400000 then. Now it's worth like probably about a million and a quarter, and you're saying, does that bother you? Deeply, it bothers me. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but the good news is I'm speaking to you today. So uh, the, uh, no, I, I'd still be here. I'd just be richer. Uh, well, no, so you, it's interesting. You're saying, that seems irrational. They must have been rich. He, he was retired. He was just retiring. Uh, he was an immigrant to this country, and uh, he was a school custodian and ended up as a head custodian. And you're saying, wow, so he gave you everything you had? No, he owned 17 homes in Santa Barbara and 12 in the north part of the county. He was disciplined with his money and it became something amazing. Now, some of you are saying, okay, I feel like dirt right now because <laughs> I make a lot more than a school custodian and I don't have millions of dollars in real estate. And his net value was probably four or five million dollars in real estate, very expensive real estate. Well, this is not to make you feel guilty, but to let you know that possibility of making progress financially. And for some of you, you feel defeated in this area. One of the things that we offer on, uh, on all our campuses at various times is a class called Financial Peace University. And this class is to help you deal with money in a way that not just, you know, not if you're broke and out on the streets, but maybe you just say, you know, this has been an area that's struggle for me. Uh, I would encourage you, and one of the things that you can sign up for on the connection card today is Financial Peace University. It teaches you some things like uh, how to, well, well, one of the things with the goals, you need to understand where your money is going 
Uh, I've said before, this is my opinion, budgets are worthless. Track where your money goes for two months, and that'll tell you what your budget is. And then you can say, hey, if I need to reduce uh, expenses. One of the things we did, I mean, deep sacrifice. You'll know, you'll feel like I'm this incredible missionary after I do this. Uh, We went from like a cable to this satellite thing, which delays the signal like three seconds. And uh, my daughter was complaining about it, and I said, but we save $1,000 a year. And so, you know, every time, because we went through our budget, and we were saying, okay, this is an area where we're spending too much money. So every time I get a three-second delay on the football game, instead of getting mad, I say, I'm richer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's one of my love languages. (laughs) So, So literally, there are ways to increase your income. And if you included the taxes on that income, substantially no matter what your income level. Now, I think God will provide miraculously as well. I've seen it in my own life. Uh, and by the way, I've seen it, and I'm not one of these people, you know, I, by the way, uh, something that bothers me is when people will do a prayer request, oh, I'm broke, and they're sort of like begging for money in the prayer request. I never would do that. But I've seen God provide miraculously. And by the way, your church, some of you, you have, you need some help, maybe it's counseling, maybe it's some emergency assistance. There's a reason why a church is called a family. And uh, we have a process you need to go through. Uh, but, but we budget in such a way where there's resources available too in those times of need. Well, I I'm, I'm, uh, want to plow through this a little bit. A principle my wife and I use, if you want to just put this to the side, uh, we've talked about this for years, is uh, the 10-10-80 principle. Or, for some of you, it needs to be the 10-10-10-70 principle. Uh, So, uh, what we have done is we have always given our first 10% of the Lord. I know some of you are freaked out about that, but we've always put God first there. We've always put 10% in savings. Uh, Now, for others of you, you also have debt. Uh, and 10% can be applied to debt. And you get this whole thing, debt snowball, you pick the smallest debt, work on that, and then you get sort of get momentum going in that. Uh, now, my wife and I, early on, because uh, <laughs> despite what the media says about ministry, uh, you know, we knew we weren't going to have all that, the resources maybe that some of our peers would have. We've decided never to go in debt. We have never had a car payment. Uh, we've never paid interest on a credit card, uh, although American Express is still looking for us. No, uh, the, uh, we, we, we decided early on that we would live on what we make. And you say, I haven't done that. Please don't feel guilty. Just know, I've seen people, we've seen hundreds here turn around their financial life. And we want to give you help in that. Uh, and then, uh, by the way, that other 80%, you know what God says? Do with whatever you want. Don't feel any guilt about that. Some of the richest people I know are some of the most generous. And some of the poorest I know are the stingiest people I've ever met in my life. It just is how we deal with our heart. Okay, uh, number three is develop generosity. Uh, that, that's a biblical principle says in Proverbs uh, 3, 9. Now, the first part, it says, uh, 
uh, I'm going to read it from the New International Version. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruit of all your crops. Well, that's uh, an agrarian society, so I, I'm also including the message paraphrase, where it says, honor God with everything you own. Give him your first and best. Uh, this is a principle taught in Scripture. Uh, again, Jesus talks about more, more about money than he does heaven and hell combined, about four times more than he does prayer. Why? Because money is a competition for our heart. Uh, and by the way, if you want to, with kids, because this is a parenting series, if you want your kids to be uh, generous and giving, ha have you learned that these wonderful little creatures, they don't listen to you? How many of you know that? Yeah, so the rest of you say, oh, they'll listen to me. <laughs> You're single. <laughs> but no, they don't listen. But have you learned they watch you? So they're, gonna, they're very unlikely to do what you say, but very likely to do what you do. Uh, in fact, my wife and I, this is one of those areas where we have honestly not taught our kids well, but they've just seen what we've done, and they've uh, actually followed it, which is amazing. So uh, what does the Bible say uh, about giving? The first thing is going to surprise you, especially if you're uh, from a church environment. The number one thing it says about giving to God and God's work is priority giving. It talks more about priority than percentage. This is a very important principle. It says, put God first again and again and again and again. And I, ha I have a couple scriptures there. I'm not going to be able to go through all of them. Uh, but the idea is put God first. So whatever you've decided, in fact, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians it says uh, what you've decided in your heart, that you would give that first to God. Well, you say, well, what about my bills? Uh, I had one guy uh, in a church I pastored, not here, don't worry, it's not about one of you. <laughs> he said, uh, well, you know, I don't have much discretionary income. I said, no problem, because God doesn't want your discretionary income. Because if that's what you're thinking, then that's a big spirit. Just whatever you've decided first. So here's, here's something I would say for those of you. And if you're here and you go to another church, do this at your church. Is before you write any other checks, or actually I don't write checks, but you pay bill pay. And uh, first, give to God. That will be the first. If you do that, if that's the only thing you take away, is that every time I get paid or whatever it looks like for you, Say, God is first. For me, honestly, uh, one of the things I had to do is set, set it up on an automatic payment system because that's how I have most of my bills. Uh, and uh, that's how, how I operate. So there's that. There's priority giving. And then uh, the, the Bible talks about percentage giving. And if you were raised uh, in church, I wasn't. Uh, by the way, so when I first heard about this, I'm like, you know, someone said, yeah, you know, when the Bible says, gives your first 10% of the Lord. I'm like, come again? <laughs> the, uh, and that, the Bible talks about a percentage. In fact, uh, it talks about a tithe. The word tithe is actually an archaic term. It literally means uh, one-tenth. Uh, Leviticus uh, 27.30, it says, one-tenth belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Uh, and it, it says in Deuteronomy 14, 23, uh, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first. And I say this, and by the way, we don't have any tithe police. The only, the, the only times our leadership 
they have to put God first in the tithe. We don't have any staff people or any uh, people who are on our board who don't put God first in that way. Uh, so, so just, but, but I want you to get this principle that, that God can do more in your life with the 90% than when you hold on to the 100%. In fact, I remember when I first got a hold of this uh, principle, I you worked at a uh, car dealership at the time. It used to be uh, University of Porsche in Seattle. And, uh, and I was, for a while, uh, doing pretty well, top salesperson. And they, uh, and they said, okay, God, I'm going to finally put you first. And I'm going to actually pay back all I hadn't done because I hadn't been tithing. And guess what happened the next month? Didn't sell a car. The next month after that, didn't sell a car. And I'm like, okay, God. And, I, and you know what? I, didn't, I said, okay, it doesn't matter if I have a lot or a little. I'm going to put you first. Now, did God open up? God blessed me. And I'm not saying, I don't believe in the whole, you know, make God your choice and he'll give you a Rolls Royce. I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but financially, I, there was a blessing that was absolutely overwhelming uh, in those months. And you know what? That's not why I gave. I gave because God had forgiven me of my past. I gave because I was making the statement that Jesus is my provider. I gave because I said I'm going to follow the scriptures even when it can be a challenge to my life. Uh, and, and by the way, there are some people who, you know, here's the whole deal. By the way, if you don't do this, this is up between you and God. Uh, I uh, was at someone's house uh, for, for dinner, and, and he brought up the subject. And uh, he said, you know, we were talking about it. I said, do you really want to talk about this? And so he's talking about I said, dude, do you really want to argue with a Jewish guy about money? <laughs> and he said, no. <laughs> and I really led him through the scriptures uh, in, in the New Testament. Have you ever heard, oh, it's not a New Testament principle? Completely false. Jesus actually speaks to it directly in Matthew 23, 23. He specifically upholds that. Again, that's between you and God. But, but I just want to let you know the Bible is, is relatively clear uh, on this. And as you tithe, what do you do? You, you, you give where you go to church. That's the only, there's no example of giving out in the world. That's not, that's not really how it worked biblically. Those are called alms. You always give at your place of worship. Uh, no other example we see uh, in the scripture. And my challenge here, by the way, well, well let, let me describe this, by the way, because I know this is a different, uh, so there's uh, this generosity ladder. This, I want to help you out because I know some of you struggle uh, with this a little bit. Uh, for some of you, you say, you know, Ben, is this, this is really difficult. Then your, your step, now I started right at a tithe. That's when I, when I, when I really started. So I started right here. But some of you, you know, the whole thing is first I do something. I'm going to give for a first time, and then occasionally. And then intentionally, that's why I talk about that. Like every, you make it intentional every month. Even if you're not, that, that priority giving is the first thing. I would encourage everyone. I am commit uh, to give consistently, but less than 10% of my income to God. And uh, I would encourage you to do that, challenge you. Uh, to do, in fact, one of the things we're going to do, we send out a letter to those who give uh, every month and a statement of your giving. To, uh, 
is I'm going to send one out, uh, an email version, and it, there'll be a link to, uh, for recurring giving if you want to do that. Percentage of tithe, I commit to faithfully give 10% of my income to God. And then sacrificial, I commit beyond that. And some of you are saying, wow, does anyone do that? My wife and I do that. We, we usually hit around 15%, about 10% goes to Timberlake, 5% will maybe go beyond that somewhere else, and uh, God will work in that. We, we do something called the tithe challenge here. Uh, if you say, I want to do that, but I'm scared. Uh, and in Malachi chapter 3, it actually says, test me in this, says the Lord. And uh, so we're saying, okay, for 90 days, tithe and see if it makes any spiritual difference in your life. And if not, uh, and it, uh, we'll give you your money back. And you say, do I have, no, you don't even need to talk to me. Uh, you can just uh, talk to the book, uh, finance manager, Nancy. And uh, as I've said before, people have said, has anyone ever asked for their money back? Yes, hundreds have taken the challenge, and two have. I have their names. No, the, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but really, I encourage you. By the way, if you like wait a year, we've spent the money already, so <laughs> the, uh, don't. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the idea is just try it and see if God's faithful in that. So whatever, I'm encouraging you to take a step. Uh, it's interesting, of the early church, what was, what was one of the most evangelistic parts of the early church? It says this, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And now notice this last part. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. I'm not saying you have to sell, and that's not commanding you to sell everything you have and give it to God. Someone's asking you that. They're probably cult. It's just saying let that be an indicator of your life and of your faith. Well, really what this is about is it's about faithfulness, but it's also about discovering the good life. Do we even know what that looks like? If we were going to have our goals of, uh, of saving, of investing, of giving, all of that met? Or do we keep on just, are we constantly dissatisfied because we've really not gone to that place of determining what the good life is like? It's like a story, uh, actually, I think I told five or six years ago, so if you still remember it, good for you. The uh, uh, American man goes down to a, a fishing village, and uh, when he's there, uh, the fisherman uh, catching these large yellowfin tuna, and this man was a businessman, and he was impressed by the quality of the fish. It just took him a short time to catch him, and he's talking to the guy, and he says, well, wow, this is great, and uh, he goes, it just takes you a short time. He goes, well, what do you do? Uh, the rest of the time, he goes, well, you know, I, I, I make more than enough to support my family. And so really, what I do the rest of the time, I sort of sleep in late, and then I play with my children, I fish a little, uh, I'll take a nap with my wife, and I'll stroll into town and sip wine with my friends. And he goes, well, why, why don't you just work a little harder? He goes, if you, worked, if you just worked harder, what you could do is you could save enough money, and then you could buy your own boat, 
And if you instill that work ethic in everyone, you could buy a whole fleet of boats. And then you could cut out the middleman, and you could get your own cannery. And then uh, eventually you'd probably have to move. You'd have to move off the coast, maybe Mexico City, and then maybe uh, up to Los Angeles or New York. And then you could have this company. And he goes, well, what, well, what would happen next? He goes, this is the real good part, is after you work hard 15, 20 years, is you get an IPO. It goes public. And then you make millions of dollars. And he he goes, well, what would happen next? He goes, well, then you could move down to Mexico to a little fishing village. You could sleep in late and you could play with your children and take a nap with your wife and stroll into town and sip wine with your friends. And isn't it crazy that sometimes we miss life in our pursuit of money? Money is not bad. It's a tool. It also takes our temperature. And it's something that God wants to use in our life. Jesus says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And these things will be given to you as well. As we uh, move through this, here's the big question. The big question is what does God want to do in me? As you maybe make a commitment, as you say, you know, maybe the thing I'm going to do is, is I'm going to sign my connection card. Maybe it's not about Jesus being Lord of my money. It's about him being Lord of my life. Maybe you're saying one of the steps I have is not a financial. I'm already faithful and giving, and I've got the debt monster under control, but I need to be baptized. Or you might say, uh, hey, here's the reality. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do that tithe challenge. Or sign me up for the next financial peace class. Don't worry about the steps you haven't taken in the past. Just say, God, what is my next right step? I I, I want you to hear the story. And and you'll notice the story talks about faith. It talks about debt. It talks about marriage and giving. And sort of what it looks like to give God more access along the way. Take a look at this. 